This episode is brought to you by KPMG. The people at KPMG make the difference for their clients. Talented teams leveraging the right technology to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity. KPMG teams together with their clients, working shoulder to shoulder to help grow and transform their enterprise. Are you ready to make the difference together? Go to visit.kpmg.us backslash transformation to learn more. In the last Democratic debate, Elizabeth Warren went after Pete Buttigieg over a lavish Napa Valley fundraiser that he'd held in a wine cave. We made the decision many years ago that rich people in smoke-filled rooms would not pick the next president of the United States. Billionaires in wine caves should not pick the next president of the United States. Mr. Mayor, your response. The moment underscored a tension between Democratic candidates, one that's been on full display this election season and may even appear again in tonight's debate. It's a tension not over policy issues like health care or wealth taxes, but something more tactical how their campaigns are financed. Today on the show, the three different strategies Democratic candidates are using to fund their campaigns and how those strategies could shape the race for president. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, January 14th. Money is the lifeblood of campaigns. Without it, candidates drop out of the race. And with it, they can rally support, fly all over the country, hold events, take out TV and Facebook ads, and hire hundreds of staffers to go door-to-door to drum up votes. But starting with the last election, the conversation about campaign money started to shift to not just be about how much a candidate has, but how they're going about getting it. Bernie Sanders was the one who sparked that shift in the last presidential election. And the thing that was so unique about Sanders' fundraising approach was that he largely refused money from big donors and funded his campaign almost entirely with small-dollar donations. In 2016, Bernie Sanders was raising money online. Julie Bikowitz is a political reporter. He was asking for the famous, you know, average donation of $27. You probably remember some speeches where he said, Anybody here know what the average contribution is? Right. $27. Then he would raise many more donations of $27. We really weren't sure if this was kind of a one-off way to raise money. Was this just a Sanders phenomenon, or is this really a way that candidates could actually fund a presidential-level campaign? But now we know. This is not a one-off approach. Elizabeth Warren's 2020 campaign is doing the same thing, raising money almost solely through small donors. She has adopted, uh, I guess to the chagrin of the Bernie Sanders people, a lot of the same language that he uses, which is, you know, we are not beholden to corporate interests. We're not relying on the wealthy. I don't do closed-door fundraisers with big donors. I don't do special call time with people who raise a quarter of a million dollars. I don't sell access to my time. And And just sort of positioning 
herself as Bernie Sanders does as us against the wealthy people who they see as the traditional power brokers in politics. This new approach seems to be working. Sanders has raised the most money of any Democratic candidate, $96 million. And Warren, who's emulated that approach, is also one of the top fundraisers. She's pulled in about $71 million. The fact that she's been able to be right up there in terms of how much money she's raised is sort of a proof of concept that raising money online and really just kind of skipping the entire traditional route can work for more than just Bernie Sanders, can work for maybe any candidate who wants to raise money that way. And what do both Warren and Sanders say about the way they've chosen to raise money? Well, they say that this is proof that if elected, they would be standing up for the little guy. They would be listening to the American people and they would not be beholden to special or corporate interests. And that really echoes what you're hearing from them in all sorts of other policies as well. Every candidate needs at least some small donor support because the Democratic Party requires candidates to have a certain number of donors to qualify for the debate stage. Like in tonight's debate, candidates need to have 225,000 individual donors. And the downside of the small dollar approach is that those numbers can be really hard to hit. As some of our uh, dearly departed Democratic presidential candidates can tell you, if you aren't a natural online fundraiser, if you don't have a big, bold personality like Bernie Sanders that connects really well online, then you have to try to fake it. And the faking it is very, very expensive. For candidates who can't attract small-dollar donations themselves, they end up spending money to get money. Like back when former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper was running, he was spending $55 to lure each new $5 donation. The money went to things like buying digital ads or email lists he could fundraise from. But Hickenlooper wasn't getting most of his campaign's money that way. And neither are some of the candidates still left in the race, like Joe Biden, Amy Klobuchar, and Pete Buttigieg. They went the more traditional route. And that is that a candidate will ask his or her well-connected friends to call their well-connected friends and give the legal maximum of $2,800. That's uh, the maximum donation any individual can give to a candidate for the primary race. What traditional fundraising normally looks like is you're in San Francisco, you're at a very posh hotel, you're in a conference room at the top of the hotel, and there are probably about 100 or 150 people mingling around. The candidate will come in, everyone will clap, and the candidate will give an extremely predictable version of a speech that you hear the candidate give on television and in living rooms in Iowa. And then often we'll take a a handful of questions from, you know, donors who are in the room who will pay often the $2,800 maximum to go get a little bit of face time with the candidate. And And a chicken dinner. And, of course, a chicken dinner. (laughs) Um, The famous rubbery chicken. Using this approach, Biden has raised about $60 million, Klobuchar has $25 million, and Buttigieg about $76 million. But raising these funds the traditional way has a cost. 
candidates can spend up to 50% of their time in the early months of a campaign doing nothing but fundraisers. And that means that you are not spending time in Iowa. You are not spending time in New Hampshire talking to potential primary voters. But if you're Pete Buttigieg or Joe Biden, you're looking at the way you raise money and thinking about it in terms of, you know, an efficiency model, collecting $2,800 checks in big batches can be very efficient because at least you're getting as much money as you possibly can from every event that you're attending. So you give up time, but you make up for that time with cash. Larger batches of money. Yes. So the other thing that I think about with these closed-door fundraisers is how often candidates get caught with their foot in their mouth. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think a lot about the the 47% remark that Mitt Romney made in 2012. There are 47% of the people who vote for the president no matter what. All right, there are 47% who are with him, who are dependent upon government, who believe that, that they are victims, who believe that government has a responsibility to care for them. Who believe and then there was the Obama remark about clinging to your Bibles and your guns. There was the deplorables remark that Hillary Clinton made. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> right? The racist, sexist... This election cycle has already produced one of those closed-door gaffes. At a fundraiser, Joe Biden talked about his ties with two former segregationist senators and was criticized when those remarks became public. He later apologized. And these private dinners have also become a point of tension about Democrats' priorities. Like when Elizabeth Warren attacked Pete Buttigieg about his wine cave fundraiser... He hit back at Warren, saying that Democrats should be taking every dollar they can get. Now, supposing that you went home feeling the holiday spirit, I know this isn't likely, but stay with me, and decided to go on to PeteForAmerica.com and give the maximum allowable by law, $2,800. Would that pollute my campaign because it came from a wealthy person? No, I would be glad to have that support. We need the support from everybody who is committed to helping us defeat Donald Trump. The Democratic nominee will face President Trump, who is an excellent online fundraiser and who has built up an enormous network of bigger donors over the course of his administration. He is probably going to break records when it comes to fundraising for his reelection. He already broke the record of starting early. He started his reelection fundraising on the very first day that he was sworn into office. So there's this money behemoth awaiting the Democratic nominee. The traditional fundraiser candidates also say just because they take someone's money, that doesn't make them beholden to what the donor wants. They argue that they are independent and driven by their values and principles. And conspicuously, there is a third group that also makes the same argument about how they're not beholden to anyone, a group that doesn't really need any donors at all. There are two Democratic billionaires who are just slathering hundreds of millions of dollars across the entire primary race. Those billionaires, after the break. This episode is brought to you by C3AI. 
C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rockstar with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Welcome back. There's a pair of candidates who aren't worried about their fundraising because they know where basically every dollar is coming from, their own bank accounts. Self-funded campaigns are not new in American political history. President Trump was the most recent example of a largely self-funded campaign. But there's a long list. Steve Forbes, Ross Perot, Mitt Romney, Nelson Rockefeller. This Democratic primary features two self-funded billionaires— One is former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg. The other is hedge fund manager Tom Steyer. Tom Steyer is worth, Forbes was estimating a little bit under $2 billion, and he has uh, spent $117 million on television ads already. Tom Steyer is far from the most popular candidate in the race, but he's used his money to ask for enough donations to qualify for the debates. In campaign ads, he asked people to donate just $1 so he could meet the donor threshold. His money has also helped him meet the Democratic Party's other requirement to make a debate, doing well enough in early state polling. We were surprised to see that Tom Steyer was right up there at the top of polling in South Carolina and Nevada. But when we sort of looked at what voters in those two states were seeing on TV, it was almost all Tom Steyer commercials. I'm Tom Steyer. I'm Tom Steyer. I'm Tom Steyer. And I'm running for president because there is nothing more powerful. Because the only way we get universal health care, because it's time our democracy works for people. Because unlike other candidates, I can go head to head with Donald Trump on the economy. And I approve this message. No other candidate was really on television. So that does show you that Spending tons of money on TV ads has a bit of an impact on the race. The other billionaire in the race is also pouring money into ads. But he won't be on the debate stage tonight. Mike Bloomberg hasn't been asking for donations and is focusing his efforts on states that will vote later on, states like Michigan and Arizona. In those places, Bloomberg is jamming the airwaves. He has spent more than $153 million on ads, which is a number that's so huge that I don't even really know how to compare it to the rest of the field. Mike Bloomberg is one of the richest people on the planet. Forbes has estimated his fortune at about $58 billion. And so for context, that means that if he spends a billion dollars on his presidential race, which he has said repeatedly he's willing to do, it's just like a 2% ding on his net worth. It's really sort of not the huge amount of money that it seems to you or I, it's just kind of something Mike Bloomberg is doing. He's jetting around the country on his private plane. He can just be anywhere at any time because money is no object. How does he talk about his campaign finance strategy? 
this is how he won his mayoral campaigns. And he talks a lot about how people discounted him when he first ran for mayor and how he's very self-reliant. He uses phrases like, I'm doing exactly the same thing they're doing, except that I am using my own money. They're using somebody else's money. And those other people expect something from them. Nobody gives you money if they don't expect something. And I don't want to be bought. So there's, in some ways, a similarity in his messaging and that of the small dollar donor, like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, in that they're both saying, we're not beholden to any interests. That's right. And it really puts a a big squeeze on the people in the middle, the people like Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg, who are trying to raise money the way politicians who came before them did, including Barack Obama, where you're both raising money in small rooms and you're appealing to people online, those people are in a tough spot when both the billionaires in the race and the people raising money from small donors online are saying, hey, we're different because we're not beholden to special interests, wink, wink, like everyone else is. So what are the advantages in terms of this strategy, which is being super rich and running for president? Well, (laughs) it's a... It's a great strategy, I have to say. I mean, who doesn't want to be so rich that you don't have to think about any sort of fundraising whatsoever? It's an enviable position. In fact, you've seen a lot of fundraising appeals from sort of the Amy Klobuchar's of the world saying like, look, I wish I was a billionaire and I could just fly around the country and hire whoever I want and put as many campaign ads up as possible, but I'm not, therefore I need your money. The drawback of self-funding is that the history shows that Americans aren't really that excited about someone who is essentially buying their way into office. Mike Bloomberg is really testing this proposition more than anyone in the past because he's willing to spend so much money and already has spent so much money, two times more than Donald Trump spent on his primary, Mike Bloomberg spent in just the first month of his own campaign. Wow. It also doesn't seem to kind of align with the popular movement in the Democratic Party right now. Right. So it's interesting because there are literally campaign platforms and messages coming from Bernie Sanders saying there should not be billionaires, like billionaires should not even exist. There are lots of policies about taxing the wealthy more than the country already does. And then you have... As that's all playing out, you have one of the richest people in the world saying, hey, give me a shot at the Democratic nomination. At tonight's debate, the tensions over fundraising will likely continue to play out. Questions about who is the most politically pure, who can be bought and sold, and what is the right way to fund an election. But Julie says that it ultimately comes down less to what the candidates say and more to what they would do. Money always finds a way into politics. You know, we've had the rise of super PACs that spend unlimited amounts of money and can raise unlimited amounts of money from donors playing in presidential politics for the past couple of cycles. Now we've we've seen that small donors can sort of group together and also be a huge force in politics. There's no way to sort of 
in our current system cut out money in politics. So I think it's really going to be interesting to see how skilled a politician is about talking about money in politics. And then if that politician is elected, what they actually do if they're given a chance to govern. That's all for today, Tuesday, January 14th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.